It's the year 1982, and planet Earth has been visited by two aliens. One landing in a suburban town in California, and the other on the frigid southernmost continent of Antarctica. But traveling here from beyond the stars is where the similarity between these two visitors ends, which you're about to hear firsthand for yourself. Season 2 continues as Steven Spielberg's family-friendly E.T. the Extraterrestrial takes on John Carpenter's legendary horror classic, The Thing. And to help us with this episode, we are excited to have a special guest joining us. This is the Nerd Coliseum. I'm your co-host, Kristen. And I'm your other co-host, Frankie. Welcome back to the Nerd Coliseum, a podcast where movies, TV, video games, or anything pop culture battles it out in rounds, tournament style, for the number one spot in our countdowns. This is game three of our 1980s tournament in the Coliseum, where eight classic movies from the 1980s are going toe-to-toe until only one movie is left standing. So far this season, we have seen Ghostbusters take on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Back to the Future take on Return of the Jedi. So if this is your first time joining us, we recommend going back and listening to those two episodes first. Each of our episodes will build off the last until the entire tournament of the season has concluded with a grand champion. This means that there will be seven games, aka episodes this season, where great 80s movies will face off against each other one-on-one. Each of these face-offs will be judged on four criteria that have been randomly selected by our spinning wheel of chance. We will use these criteria to discuss and award points to these movies in four individual rounds. And the movie with the most points at the end of the episode wins the game and moves forward in the overall tournament. The loser, unfortunately, goes home booted from this season. And our movie contenders have been paired off for battle using a random generator. Not by us, which is why we have such riveting, unique matchups. That's right. So the winners will be decided based on the combination of chance and facts, along with other resources we, the host, may deem appropriate. Unlike other podcasts, this show does not rely heavily on the personal opinion of its host. All right, all right. Let's get started. Let's start game three. E.T. the Extraterrestrial versus The Thing. On one side of the Coliseum, we have The Thing, a 1982 science fiction horror film directed by John Carpenter, with screenplay by Bill Lancaster. The movie is based on the 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. novella, Who Goes There? The film's plot follows a group of American researchers in Antarctica who encounter a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates, then imitates, other organisms perfectly. The group is overcome by paranoia and conflict as they learn that they can no longer trust each other and that any of them could be the thing. I don't know who to trust. I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. The film stars Kurt Russell, A. Wilford Brimley, T.K. Carter, David Clennon, and Keith David, along with others. On the other side of the Coliseum, we have E.T. the Extraterrestrial, a 1982 science fiction film directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Melissa Matheson. It tells the story of Elliot, a boy who befriends an extraterrestrial nicknamed 
E.T. How clever. Who was left behind on Earth. Elliot, along with his friends and family, must find a way to help E.T. return home while avoiding the government. He's a man from outer space, and we're taking him to a spaceship. Well, can he just beam up? This is reality, Greg. The film stars D. Wallace, Henry Thomas, Peter Coyote, Robert McNaughton, and child version of Drew Barrymore. Fun fact, thanks to our matchmaking randomizer, this is going to be a rematch for these two movies. That's right, E.T. and The Thing already went head-to-head at the box office back in the summer of 1982, where E.T. came out on top. Many reasons have been cited for The Thing's failure to take the lead with audiences back in the summer of 82, such as E.T.'s family-friendly, optimistic take on alien visitation. And there was also the fact that audiences in 1982 were living through a recession. Hmm, I wonder what that's like. Right? Which may have been the reason audiences were so apprehensive about the thing's alienated tone at the time. Get it? Alienated? Good one. I know. In present day, The Thing has been reappraised as one of the best science fiction and horror films ever made, and has gained a cult following. And filmmakers throughout the years have noted its influence on their work. And it has been referred to in other media like television and video games. Making for the perfect time and environment for a rematch. And for this exceptional occasion, we have invited a special guest and friend to help us see it through. Everyone, Please help me welcome one of the coolest nerdy cosplayers around, Sammy. Hey everyone, I'm Sammy. Um, I am the previous co-host of the podcast Conspiracies and Cryptids. And also some of you may have heard my voice on the No Sleep podcast where I voiced the Pen Pal series. But other than that, I'm not currently working on any podcasts right now or really any shows or outlets. But I'm excited to be a part of this show. So let's go for it. So, Sammy, do you think E.T. is going to win again like it did back in 82? Or does the thing have a good chance of taking the win in this rematch? I mean, personal bias aside, I think the fact that the that the thing has kind of gained a cult following and has kind of had like a chance to reinvent itself i mean it got like a prequel in 2011 and it's had a video game adaptation i think it has more of a chance to come out on top this time um i think there were a lot of reasons why it didn't do so well back then and i personally think that it's gonna it's gonna take the prize this time Hmm, i think we're both kind of uh thinking the same here but we'll see We'll see. It's really going to come down to the categories chosen for us by our spinning wheel of chance. Very true. So let's see what they are. The first category will be visual and special effects. These two movies are visual and special effects goliaths. So this is going to be good. The second category will be quote ability i predict that the thing may have the underhand in this round but we're gonna have to wait and see third category rewatchability and fourth category video game adaptations this category can't be applied to too many of our movie matchups so i'm glad to see it show up here 
That means it should be a very interesting category. All right. Are you guys ready? Let's start this game. Time for our first round, visual and special effects. Let's see what E.T. has to offer. Industrial Light and Magic, a motion picture visual effects company founded by George Lucas, was behind the special effects for this movie. They created the now iconic image of E.T. Could be a monkey or a orangutan. Or a bald monkey? Is he a pig? He sure eats like one. And fun fact, it's because of that that you see the race of aliens that E.T. comes from as part of the Senate in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. You can actually see them as little background characters in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. See? See, this is why we bring people in. And they were also behind Elliot flying over the face of a full moon, which is now the Amblin Entertainment's logo. The famous flying scene was created by using the studio's Go Motion technology, combined with crafted miniatures and puppet characters, shot on a blue screen and then inserted into live action plates. According to Vogue, to bring to life the endearing alien E.T., three animatronics were created, as well as a costume weighing more than 40 pounds. Small actors such as Pat Billen, who was about 34 inches tall, were able to perform movements in the costume that were too difficult to imitate with technology. The famous mime, Caprice Roth, worked on E.T.'s hand movements by slipping her arms into gloves that imitated the unique texture of the alien's skin. For scenes that required the animatronic E.T. puppet, like Elliot's room and the family's living room, Spielberg had the production designers actually build the sets raised on stilts. The heavy robotic puppet was bolted down and its wiring was hidden under the floor. The puppeteers were able to observe and manage the puppet's performance from a series of TV monitors located in another room. Be good. Be good. I taught him that too. At the 55th Academy Awards, E.T. took home the Oscar for Best Visual Effects and also won a Saturn Award for Best Special Effects. Now for the thing. And in my humble opinion, it is a practical effects masterpiece. Of the film's $15 million budget, $1.5 million was spent on various chemical mixtures, food products, rubber, and mechanical parts, all of which went into creating an alien capable of taking any form. And scenes featuring the monster required intricate rigs that splinter off to reveal entirely new horrors, which can be best described as Lovecraftian, all of which incredibly enhances the visual appeal of the movie. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. The creature effects used and required a variety of materials, including mayonnaise, creamed corn, microwaved bubblegum, KY jelly, and foam latex, which all made the very different incarnations of the monster palpably sickening. Special effects creator Rob Botton, whose work made audiences shudder to this day, can be thanked for the pop-cultural impact of the creature's various forms. The 23-year-old effects artist endured painstaking hours, working seven days a week for 56 weeks. During filming, Botten was hospitalized for exhaustion, double pneumonia, and a bleeding ulcer, caused by his extensive workload. His dedication on the project saw him spend over a year living on the Universal lot. Botten said he did not take a day off during that time and slept on the sets or in the locker rooms. To take some pressure off his crew, Botten enlisted the aid of special effects creator Stan Winston, 
to complete some of the designs. Stan Winston, best known for his work in small films such as Jurassic Park, Predator, along with some others, actually helped create the Thing-Dog hybrid that first introduces the audience to the horror they are in store for. It's an impressive sequence where Winston pulled no punches in creating a form that seemed to be constantly evolving as the monster unfolded into an unrecognizable mass of eyeballs and tentacles. Winston would pilot the alien's head with his arm in an extremely elaborate puppet, while other crew members would also operate various moving parts of the writhing alien beast. The team used reverse shots to obtain certain effects, meaning rubber tentacle-like hoses were pulled through the alien's model. The footage was then reversed, creating the effect of gruesome appendages growing from the thing. The creature's introduction scene built up to the only reasonable conclusion, with Keith David dousing the monster with a real, fully functional flamethrower. Damn it, child, torch it! Another big special effects moment is the chest chomp scene, where Dr. Copper attempts to revive Norris with a defibrillator. Revealing himself as the Thing, Norris Thing's chest transforms into a large mouth that severs Copper's arms. Botten accomplished this scene by recruiting a double amputee and fitting him with prosthetic arms filled with wax bones, rubber veins, and jello. The arms were then placed into the practical stomach mouth where the mechanical jaws clamped down on them, at which point the actor pulled away, severing the false arms. Clear! Clear! Last but certainly not least, my personal favorite effect in the film is when Norris Thing's head stretches from the table to the floor and actually tears away from the body. The effect was so challenging that it took many months of testing before Botten was satisfied enough to even film it. The Thing received nominations from the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films for Best Special Effects. However, it lost this award to, you guessed it, E.T. Checkmate. Checkmate. Pretty impressive show in this category from both of these movies. So, which movie are we going to award the point to for this category? E.T. or The Thing? I mean, personally, when I was going through this, I gave The Thing a 9 out of 10 for special effects, and I gave E.T. a 7.5 out of 10, or maybe even an 8. But I felt like The Thing had more special effects than E.T. did, and more impressive and like visually stunning special effects than E.T. did. So that's my personal take. I'd give the point to The Thing. You're not far off from what both Frankie and I were thinking. <laughs> As we were rewatching The Thing, we were kind of just counting each special effects moment, and it was just so substantial as compared to E.T. Mm -hmm. However, the fact that E.T. won so many awards for its special effects from various prestigious organizations, beating out The Thing every single time is interesting especially when you compare these two movies it's it's very clear that the thing's special effects were much more varied and arguably way more complicated i definitely agree with that botten labored over them endlessly but it is not underappreciated the thing i think has left a greater impression on audiences over the years with its wild and fantastical creations more than et has so just to be clear 
Are you two saying that you disagree with the Academy Awards? Well, I think it's time The Thing gets some much-deserved official recognition. Even if that official recognition comes from a grassroots podcast like us. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) For that reason, the Nerd Coliseum will be awarding the point of visual and special effects to The Thing. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. This is the first time that prestigious film awards did not decide our winner. Nevertheless, we feel good about our choice. All right, so E.T. is a memorable special effects movie. However, the thing special effects were so technically brilliant. I mean, reviews called Botton's work genius, noting the designs were novel, unforgettable, colorfully horrific, and even calling him a master of the macabre. Other critics said that the movie demonstrated appalling creativity and the stretching severed head scene was madly macabre, something comparable to the infamous alien's chestburster scene. Ugh, both of those scenes still give me nightmares. And Variety called it the most vividly gruesome horror film to ever stalk the screens. All right, time for our second category, quotability. So I have an understanding of quotability, but how are we going to look at this category? Okay, good point. So what does quotability mean exactly? Well, we're talking about movie lines that have become so popular that they have become part of people's collective vernacular. And there are so many of these lines out there. I mean, to demonstrate, Frankie, play some of those lines from recent and past cinematic history for us. Good morning, Vietnam! Why so serious? I'll be back. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. No. I. Yep, those are some classics. Now, according to Fred Shapiro, the editor of the Yale Book of Quotations and several other books, movie quotes become popular because they evoke a great film or a great scene or even a great actor. Movie quotes can also be like a social glue. This means that you can repeat a line from a particular movie, especially around those with similar interests as yourselves, and you can just immediately establish bonds with these individuals. Do the movies competing in this game have any quotable lines? Turns out, they do. As a listener, you're probably thinking of a big one from E.T. right now. Hang on to that thought, though. We're going to circle back to it. Yes, but for now, let's talk about The Thing. The Thing does have some lines that diehard fans love to recite. For us, there are two in particular that come to mind. The first one comes after the infamous blood test scene. One of the most intense moments in the movie. We're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. We're going to find out who's the thing. As several suspects are tied up, Kurt Russell's character, McReady, tests their blood to see if they are the monster. The reactions of the men who are proven to be human are great. However, one reaction in particular comes from the character Gary, who seems to be calmer about his reveal of being truly human. He politely acknowledges everyone's a little bit stressed out before absolutely just losing his cool. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, 
I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch! The second quote comes at the very end of the film, after the compound is destroyed and unsure if the thing is still alive. McCready is left alone in the cold outdoors. Soon, Childs emerges, who explains he was separated from the others earlier. For good reason, it is clear McCready isn't in a trusting mood. However, the movie maintains its hopeless theme as McCready concludes that if one of them is the alien, there's nothing the other can do at this point. Childs asks what they should do, and McCready suggests they just wait to see what happens, leaving a chilling, ambiguous ending. Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Time for E.T. Sammy hinted at one I know we're all thinking about, so let's just go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Without further delay, here's the most quotable line from E.T. Where's he from? Uranus. Get it? Your anus. He doesn't get it, Ty. Get it? Your anus. <laughs> Just kidding. Here's the real quote. E.T. Phone home. It goes without saying, but this line is a big one. The line E.T. Phone Home was ranked 15th place out of 100 legendary cinematic movie quotes on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes list. It also made 48th place on Premiere's top movie quote list. Pretty impressive. I think E.T. takes this one. I love quotes from The Thing, but I have to agree. The line from E.T. is a classic. It's one of those lines people know, even if they've never seen the movie. Therefore, the Nerd Coliseum will award the point of quotability to E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Okay, uh, swear it one more time. I have absolute, have absolute power! Yes! This will even the score between these two movies. Sitting at one-to-one, -one, we will now move on to our next category, Rewatchability. Criteria for a rewatchable film can vary from viewer to viewer, but there are some common themes. According to the vast knowledge of the internet, rewatchable movies tend to have scenes that stand out and that draw our attention, even when the movie's just playing in the background. Some specific criteria are story, humor, quotability, compelling characters, pacing, and a satisfying end. Phew, that could be an entire episode within itself, but. Let's keep it simple here. Let's quickly take E.T. through the checklist criteria Frankie just mentioned. First up, story. Well, this checks out. A kind alien interacting with young children is family-friendly and even lets children's imaginations run wild about their own possible imaginary friends. Next, humor. E.T. certainly has humor. Let's roll that previous clip from earlier. Where's he from? Uranus? Get it? Your anus? He doesn't get it, Ty. Get it? Your anus? Next up, quotability. Well, we already touched on that in the last round. So let's move on to compelling characters. E.T. and the movie's youth make great, compelling characters that give the movie an element of wonder and innocence. Pacing. The movie runs nearly two hours in length. However, it seems it is time well spent for audiences. The movie has had successful re-releases, meaning that audiences were hungry for additional views of the flick. And finally, satisfying ending. This movie's got it. At the end of the movie, standing near the spaceship, E.T.'s heart glows as he prepares to return home. 
E.T. says goodbye to Michael and Gertie as she presents him with a flower he had revived. Before boarding the spaceship, he embraces Elliot and tells him, I'll be right here. Pointing his glowing finger to Elliot's forehead, E.T. then boards the spaceship. As the others watch it take off, the spaceship leaves a rainbow in the sky. Talk about your emotional happy ending. First up, story. In The Thing, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates, then imitates other organisms threatens a very remote American outpost in Antarctica. For those who like horror, this is pretty interesting. Next, humor. The humor choices in this movie are not similar to our other contender, but it does have it. After one of the Norwegians is shot dead, our American protagonists try to piece together what happened. Knowles suggests they might be at war. Maybe we had war with Norway. It's a funny line that establishes the looser atmosphere of the earlier scenes, but also reminds audiences how cut off the characters are and sets up the thing's creepy, isolated setting. We'll skip quotability for the same reason we did for E.T. So, on to compelling characters. Like with our contender, one of them is an alien, but this one is the dynamic shape-shifting alien that is far from forgettable. The remaining cast gave us a variety of characters that have their own personalities, especially in the face of absolute terror. You're gonna have to sleep sometime, McCready. I'm a real light sleeper, child. Pacing. This movie also runs nearly two hours, and some critics have said that the movie's pacing is uneven overall. But not all critics agree. Others have said the movie's unusual pacing only adds to the suspenseful, eerie feel of the overall film. And finally, satisfying ending. But this doesn't always have to be a happy ending. The thing's ending is far from happy. As mentioned earlier in the episode, after the compound is destroyed, McGreedy is left alone with Childs in the cold outdoors, both of them waiting for death, either by assimilation, if one of them is the thing, or by freezing in an Antarctic winter night. Fun fact, director John Carpenter filmed multiple endings for The Thing, including a happier ending because editor Todd Ramsey thought that the bleak, nihilistic conclusion would not test well with audiences. In the alternate take, McGreedy is rescued and given a blood test that proves he is not infected. Carpenter said that this ending would have been cheesy and decided to move forward with the ending that we have today. Well, the fact here is that both of these movies are rewatchable when comparing them to this criteria. Yeah. For horror fans, The Thing is a winner, but for family-friendly audiences, E.T. the Extraterrestrial is a winner. I think that is the kicker. What is? The family-friendly aspect. That's a good point. With E.T. being a family film, it can appeal to a broader range of ages. Especially children who love to watch things over and over and over and over again. And for that reason, the Nerd Coliseum will award the point of rewatchability to E.T. the Extraterrestrial. We made it! This will bring E.T. into the lead with two points, leaving the thing behind just one point. With one round left to go, the thing has the opportunity to tie up the game. Which would take us into a fifth round, where the tie would be broken with a quick, sudden death match. Let's see if the thing can. Our next category is... Video Game Adaptations The Thing is a 2002 third-person shooter survival horror game 
developed by Computer Artworks and co-published by Vinvidi, Universal Games, under their Black Labels game publishing label, and Konami. It was released for Windows, Xbox, and PlayStation 2. Are you men holding up, Blake? They're still alive, but I'm not sure which ones are human. Set as a sequel to John Carpenter's 1982 film of the same name, the story focuses on Captain Blake, a member of a U.S. Special Forces team sent to the Antarctic outpost featured in the film to determine what has happened to the research team. The game was endorsed by John Carpenter, who even has a cameo appearance in the game. Dr. Faraday, I presume. I don't think we've got time for formal introductions. Can you get us out of here? The Thing was a commercial success, selling over 1 million units worldwide across all platforms and receiving generally positive reviews. A sequel was in the early stages of development, but was cancelled when Computer Artworks went into receivership in 2003. E.T. the Extraterrestrial is a 1982 adventure video game developed and published by Atari Inc. for the Atari 2600. objective is to guide the title character through various screens to collect three pieces of an interplanetary telephone that will allow him to contact his home planet. The game was designed by Howard Scott Warshaw, who intended it to be an innovative adaptation, and Atari thought it would sell well based on the international box office success of the film. However, when Warshaw presented his idea to Steven Spielberg, Spielberg didn't care for the idea and instead wanted the game to play like a Mario game. The final release received negative reviews, with its low-quality graphics and confusing gameplay facing significant criticism. The game is often cited as one of the worst of all time and one of the biggest commercial failures in video game history. Unfortunately, it is cited as a major contributing factor to the video game crash of 1983, and has been frequently referenced and mocked in popular culture as a cautionary tale but the dangers of rushed game development and studio interference. A lesson that I think still needs to be learned by some studios. I don't know about you, Sue, but I think this round has a clear winner. We're right there with you, Sammy. The Nerd Coliseum will be awarding the point of video game adaptation to... You think they can guess it? I think they can. The Thing. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. Do you know what this means? I do. With the last round, The Thing has tied the game once again. The scoreboard sits at 2-2. Two to two. Meaning it's time for a sudden death tiebreaker. So, how are we going to do this, guys? Well, to make this quick, we're going to pick a random criteria that will decide the ultimate fate of these two movies. I say, let's see what the audiences have to say about these movies. You know... Let the masses decide. I'm down, just like the old Roman Colosseum days, or at least I think. To decide the winner of this category, we turn to the sites Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. So Rotten Tomatoes lets viewers like you and me rate movies and leave reviews directly on their website. As the reviews come in, the percentage is calculated based on what viewers say, which is indicated on the site as the popcorn bag icon. And IMDb users can cast a vote from 1 to 10 stars on every movie and TV title in their database. These votes are summarized as a single IMDb rating, visible on the title's main page. Let's see how these two movies compare. 
overall consensus for E.T. is playing as both an exciting sci-fi adventure and remarkable portrait of childhood, Steven Spielberg's touching tale of a homesick alien remains a piece of movie magic for young and old. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score sits at 72%. On IMDb, the movie sits at 7.9 stars out of 10. Overall consensus for The Thing is... Grimmer and more terrifying than the 1950s take, John Carpenter's The Thing is a tense sci-fi thriller rife with compelling tension and some remarkable makeup effects. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score sits at 92%. On IMDb, the movie sits at 8.2 stars out of 10. This means that The Thing wins by 20% on Rotten Tomatoes and only 0.3 on IMDb. All right, this brings the final score to E.T. having two points and The Thing having three points, meaning that The Thing wins game three, making a great comeback after its loss to E.T. in the box office and with critics in 1982. Well, it looks like our predictions were correct, guys. The Thing finally made its return. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a long time coming and we've been planning it forever. So I'm so finally, uh, I'm so glad that we finally got the chance to have you join us on the podcast. Honestly, thank you guys for having me. And you're obviously welcome to have me back anytime. I'd, I'd love to come back and talk about any sort of nerdy thing. Um, I'm really glad I got to watch these movies. Like I said, it had been such a long time since I watched them. And it was kind of neat to see where maybe some other things had like, I don't know, taking inspiration from them. Like, I personally think that Resident Evil took a lot of inspiration from the thing, like, especially with the dogs. But maybe that's just me. You know, as I was watching the thing, I was also thinking about how it was. Have you seen The Faculty, like that 90s movie? Yeah. It pretty much takes the thing and puts it in high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really, it's, it's, it's actually interesting, but I, I like it. I mean... It kind of makes you wonder if the game Among Us kind of took inspiration from the thing as well. Oh. Uh, I, we were talking about that the other day because it's literally the Among Us creature, like the the thing that is the the suspect or the sus. Yeah, it whatever. like opens up. Out it of like stomach, opens right? up its stomach and eats, just like the scene from the thing. So we were talking about that the other day. Mm -hmm. So before you go, is there a matchup that you would like to hear go down in the Coliseum? Um. I personally would love to see Resident Evil versus Silent Hill. I think those are two great horror video game franchises that get pitted against each other a lot. And I would love to see them throw down in the Coliseum. Honestly, like I those are the games like I remember like PlayStation one days, mm -hmm. like going to my friend's house and they had Resident Evil, which was like in the original mansion, which was literally just straight up horror, oh, slow moving zombies. It was, zombies. It was Silent, terrifying. Oh, man. Silent Hill tormented me as a child like especially <laughs> the first one where like you start the game and all they give you is a stick and this mm -hmm. radio that freaks out anytime something's about to come after you oh <laughs> god it was horrible so uh yeah if we did a silent hill versus resident evil i would have to unlock terrified childhood memories and uh and <laughs> and, <laughs> and make decisions from there so this is going to be the end of the road for E.T. After all, it's the luck of the spin. In our next game, we're going to see Tim Burton's Batman take on another Spielberg classic, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
Thank you for listening. Don't miss out on our future games and tournaments. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review if available through your podcast <coughs> provider. The Nerd Coliseum is available wherever you podcast. You can listen to us through your web browser or find a link to your favorite podcast provider at www.inker.fm slash the Nerd Coliseum. Please help spread the word about this podcast. Follow and share us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. And if you enjoy this show, you can support it at anchor.fm slash the nerd coliseum slash support. Kristen and Frankie are striving to improve their show with every episode and would appreciate your help with reaching their goals. Thanks, Sammy. And if you, the audience, would like to see a certain matchup go down in the nerd coliseum, let us know. Anything from movies, TV, video games, or pop culture can battle it out. Talk to us by emailing thenerdcoliseum at gmail.com. Coliseum is spelled as in the Roman Coliseum, C-O-L-O-S-S-E-U-M. I'm Sammy. I'm Kristen. And I'm Frankie. This is the Nerd Coliseum reminding you to beware your neighbor and keep those flamethrowers handy. Bye-bye. Can I change this so instead of saying in the year, can I say, can I say like, it's the year 1982 and the planet Earth has been visited by two aliens. <laughs> Count them two. Yeah. Can I not? say that? Okay. I was just making, I was like, I'm going to change it to the present tense. That, that might've been me. I was touching the wires and stuff. Blame inflation for it. I know, dude. I, man, we were watching a show and they were talking about having a Seinfeld from the nineties and they were talking about having a steak dinner. And like ribeye dinner. He's nice. he's touching his mic right now. I forgot to put my pop filter on. I was like, why does it sound weird? I was like, there's thunder. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, with as much rain as we've been getting lately, I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. It's not it's not exactly original anymore. What is that? It's not us. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> All right. So yeah, let's, we'll, yeah, we'll just record and then if it does it, I'll just I'll just re-say what I was saying. All right. Okay. So Frankie, as you're recording, <laughs> this is where we're starting. <laughs> it's the year 1982, and planet Earth has been visited by two aliens. One landing in us. I heard it. But traveling here from beyond the stars is where the similarity between these two visitors ends. Which you're about to hear. That's gonna. <laughs> Season two continues as Steven Spielberg's family friendly E.T. the extra tree. Welcome back to the Nerd Callus. That was terrible. I took a swallow at the same time. Welcome. The film stars Kurt Russell, A. William, oh, T.K. Carter, David Clinton, and Keith David, along with others. A lot of k- sounds. You like that, huh? <laughs> Clinton, Keith, <laughs> Carter. I planned that. <laughs> While avoiding the government. I don't know why I said it like that, but I'm going with it. <laughs> the film stars D. Wallace, Henry Thomas, Peter Coyote. That is Coyote, right? It's not Coyote. Is it Coyote? I think it's, <laughs> is it I think it's Peter Coyote. <laughs> Robert Magnot. Magnot? What? Magnaughton. Magnaughton. McNaughton. 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 Losing prices, right? Sound. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to do the Dr. Evil right two in a row. <laughs>
yeah. I was I was about to. I was about to do the right. Okay, sorry. Not going to do it twice in a row. Right? Which may have been the reason audiences were... That sounded ridiculous. Right? Which may have been the reading... Here we go. <laughs> Sammy's like, you guys even got to me yet. <laughs> that's really cool. No sleep is... Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I would recommend that one. All right. So, fa- uh, so family. Let me say that again. Family. So... <laughs> the first category... Go away, internet crickling. Yeah, it's not coming from one of our mics. It's got to be just the internet. It's just the internet, yeah. Yeah, it's probably just a connection issue, because I know it's not coming from mine. Yeah, I I don't think it's either, like any of us. Industrial Light and Magic, a motion picture visual effects company. Whoa, whoa, wait. Oh, that's the name of the company. Right. (laughs) <laughs> I thought it was about to be like a thing. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Whoops. The famous flying scene was created by using the studio's go motion technology. I heard the click. Let me start. Nope, there it is again. Go away. Okay. Being a massive troll right now. Stan Winston, best known for his work in small films such as Jurassic Park, and pre- uh, bleh, bleh. It's an impressive sequence. The creature's introduction scene built up only to the reasonable conclusion. The creature's introduction scene built up to the only reasonable conclusion. Conclusion. <laughs> conclusion. <laughs> I definitely agree with that. Botten labored over the. I definitely agree with that. I wonder if I agree with that or not. <laughs> it's like, are you sure? <laughs> did did I agree? I are don't know. Are you sure you agree with that? I definitely agree with that. Botten labored over them tirelessly. Labored over them tirelessly. <laughs> tirelessly. <laughs> Boy, it was really tiring. <laughs> Botten labored over them tirelessly. Okay, say the word for me. Tirelessly. Tirelessly. Botten la- labored. Botten labored over them. Tyler. <laughs> I'm just going to have to. Endlessly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... <laughs> I'm going to have to change the word. <laughs> Botten labor. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All right. First up, story. In the thing, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates, then imitates other organisms, threatens a very remote American outpost in Antarctica. Wait, say the line again. I feel like you said. Did I say whore? No, but I feel like you said an Antarctica, and then say assimilate. Assimilates. 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 Okay, that's it. I don't know how you were saying it before. It sounded. I'll just take the whole line. Okay. You're making me second guess everything. Well, it, sound, it sounds <laughs> like you're saying like assim- uh, assimilates. Assimilate. Okay, now you're saying it right. I don't know how you were saying it before. Frankie, go back and listen to we're the gonna, recording. We're gonna play that footage again. I was like, as you're right. as you're editing this, go back and listen to that and see if you sound weird. Extraterrestrial life form that assimilates, then imitates other organisms, threatens a very remote American outpost in Antarctica. That assimilates. 
over and over and over again. And for you need that, to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> the game's objective is to guide the eponymous. Thank you. <laughs> like who wrote that word? <laughs> I, I <laughs> snuck that. Me. I snuck it in there for you. I, I can't really, eponymous. I don't have any clout because eponymous. I couldn't say tire, tirelessly earlier. <laughs> it's eponymous. Eponymous. Okay, wait. Eponymous character. So I was looking at what eponymous means, giving their name to something. Yeah, like the title character. Oh. <laughs> I know we like to sound smart, but nobody's going to know what that word means. <laughs> Sammy knew. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy's a highly intelligent person. I'm averagely intelligent. <laughs> Eponymous. Nobody, nobody's gonna know what that is. It's provocative. <laughs> Where's he from? Uranus. Get it? Your anus. He doesn't get it, Ty. Get it? Your 